Hi there, welcome to part five of our series. We've been studying the, uh, the enemies of the heart. And uh, so far we have studied um, both guilt and anger. Just to do a little recap here, guilt uh, says I owe you. And the remedy for guilt is confession. Anger on the other hand says you owe me. And the remedy for anger is forgiveness. If you missed the other messages, just go back and look at the others. Um, uh, I'm sure that uh, the Carolina Camp Meeting uh, office is going to have them recorded for you to look back uh, again. So uh, today's uh, enemy uh, that we're going to be talking about is greed. Greed. With that said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us your Holy Spirit as we study your word and open our hearts and our minds to really look at ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So talking about greed, the bottom line is this. Greedy people not only believe that they deserve every good thing that comes their way, they believe they deserve every good thing that could possibly come their way. Their theme or mantra is what's mine is mine because I've earned it and I've got a lot more coming. But see, the thing about greed, my fellow brethren here, is that it's a different type of breed than the other enemies of the heart. Greed disguises itself. In fact, most of you or most of us may already be thinking, I may have an occasional angry outburst and I may have a few guilty secrets, but at least I don't struggle with greed. See, the reason we think that we don't struggle with greed is because greed can hide behind several virtues. Greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about money. Greedy people, they're not cheerful givers. They are reluctant to share. They are poor losers. They quibble over insignificant sums of money. They talk as if they have just enough to get by. They won't let you forget what they have done for you. They are reluctant to express gratitude. They are not content with what they have and they attempt to control people with their money. Here's the thing about greed. It knows no socioeconomic boundaries. In other words, I've met uh, poor greedy people and I have met wealthy greedy people. See, greed in itself, it's not a financial issue. All right. Most people think, oh, because of greed, you know, that means that you struggle with money. No, greed is not a financial issue. Greed is actually a heart issue. The question is, is this an issue for you? Is it hard for you, for example, to give money away? Are you quick to make excuses? Do you ask questions to make you look like you're a careful steward while in fact you're looking for, excuse, for an excuse not to give? When you do give, are there any strings attached? See, this is one of those enemies of the heart that is very subtle. And because it's very subtle, it is something that we definitely need to ask ourselves if we are monitoring correctly or not. Because the thing about it is that for greedy people, stuff equals life. And the driving force behind greed is fear. When it comes to greed, when it comes to uh, the enemy of the heart, 
the way that it works is that we, since it is fueled by fear, it usually comes maybe from a past where maybe we didn't have enough, where maybe we feel that, you know, we need to get away from that and therefore we need to avoid it at all costs. Therefore, because I didn't have anything in the past, anything that comes my way in the present or in the future, um, it's something that, uh, that you know, it, it, it's, it's coming towards us. And so this is something that I believe, um, like I said, it really disguises itself. And Jesus tells us a parable to illustrate this point. Um, in Luke chapter 12, in Luke chapter 12, and let's look at, let's look at verse 13. I'll give you guys a minute to get there or a few seconds to get there. In Luke chapter 12, we're starting in verse 13. Jesus talks about the type of people that um, have a hard time giving and they are not generous towards God. So let's go ahead and read that. Okay, here we go. It says in verse 13, in verse 13, then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. See, for the greedy person, stuff equals life. And like I said before, the fear that is behind greed, it's fueled by fear. All right. That's what the fuel of greed is. And people with greed lost in their heart fear that God either can't or will not take care of them. So when Jesus tells his parable in verse 16, he says this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will, I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you may have good, you may ha you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. All right. So this guy, he is um, building himself a lot of uh, different uh, things with his wealth. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I should be doing, etc., etc., etc. So this guy is basically building himself something very nice, something that he feels that he's worked for all his life. And so he's like, hey, man, I have a huge abundance of things. So let's go ahead and take care of them. But then this, the parable doesn't stop there because in verse 20, it says, but God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. God himself is calling this man a fool because he was, this guy was all like, hey, I need to, anything that comes my way, I need to keep going and going and going and going. I need to keep doing this so that I can actually uh, enjoy my life. But God is saying, you're focused too much on the things that you're building up for yourself that you're not thinking about anything else. Now, granted, don't get me wrong when I say this. It's not bad to save, all right? I want to I wanna let you know that right now. It's not bad to save. It's not uh, bad to think about your family, of course, if you're the provider. That's not, I'm not saying that's the point. 
Uh, you know, there, there's always extreme cases where people are like, well, you know, I have to, you know, uh, pinch every single penny that I have in order for me to, you know, really make it through, et cetera, et cetera. I know what, you know, and I'm thinking like, hey, everything has to be with a balance. Everything has to have a balance. In this particular parable, the question he should have been asking is, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? And so... In the, and, and also towards the end, this guy runs out of time before he runs out of stuff. See, we think money, for some reason, is life's report card. If I have a lot, then God is going to give me an A. And if I don't have a lot, God is going to flunk me in this test. You know, when it comes to this type of parable, when it comes to this type of stuff, we can obsess so much and we can actually make money our God. Remember, the Bible says that not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a great thing, you know, and if you use properly, I mean, God is the one that created all of that. If used properly, it can actually be used to further God's kingdom. But if we obsess over it, then we're completely missing the mark on what it is. We're called to be mainly stewards, okay? So it reminds me of a, of a story, and I remember this guy was on his deathbed, and he wanted to think, and you know, he had built himself a lot of wealth throughout the years. I mean, that's what he spent doing over and over and over and over and over again. He was on his deathbed, and so one of the things that, maybe you've heard the story before, and so in his deathbed, his wife was there next to him, and he said, sweetie, promise me this. When I die, because I know I'm on my last days, when I die, please bury me with all of my money. The wife looks at him and she's like, um, okay, I promise. About an hour or two later, he, he finally passes. In his funeral, okay, in his funeral, uh, she, he's remembered as a good man and everything. And she told her friend about her husband's request. And her friend was like, hey, by the way, um, you didn't really fulfill his request of putting all or of putting all of his money with him, right, in his casket. And he's like, well, what kind of wife do you think I am? Of course I did. I made sure that his money was in his casket. I wrote him a check for the amount of his wealth, and he can cash it however he wants and whenever he wants, right? Now, granted, this is a kind of a funny joke, but at the same time, it reminds us that we're not going to take anything with us. All right. We're not everything, anything that we have over here. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't work for it. But like I said, when we obsess over the things that we have, when we obsess over the things that we need to do, that we need to, you know, build in order for us to be happy, then we are missing the point. Our first responsibility is to give to God. And therefore, God blesses us as a return. Because everything, everything that we have and everything that we own belongs to God. So God is basically, God doesn't need your stuff. God does not need your everything that you're building, but God, and that's, that's one of the reasons why tithing is not so much a money issue. It's a heart issue and it's a relationship issue. And so with this parable, it reminds us, my friends, that 
It reminds us, my friends, that we need to be rich towards God. And in verse 21, here's the warning that Jesus gives. So is he, all right, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So therefore, the one that focuses so much on that, his life is going to be taken before you think, before, you know, before you even think about it. And then next thing you know, you left, you left no inheritance for anybody else. You just basically wanted to just build and build and build for yourself. And therefore, you achieve nothing. This, according to this parable, is the definition, according to Jesus, of a greedy person. A greedy person, according to the Bible and according to what God says and what Jesus says, is a person who stores up things for himself or herself, but is not rich towards God. Let me say that one more time. A greedy person, according to the Bible, is a person who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. What is the warning here? Is Jesus saying that if we're generous savers, not generous givers, we will die? No, 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 no. He's not saying that. That's a given. We all will die. What about an unexpected death? We don't know, especially the times that we're living in right now. Is he saying we will die unexpectedly? I don't think that's the point either. The real moral of the story is this. Those whose eagerness to store up material goods outpaces their willingness to give will suffer a complete and total loss when their time runs out see the parable of the rich fool does two important things for us first it defines greed from god's perspective and second it offers a simple remedy so greed itself greed itself has also a remedy remember hey Guilt says I owe you, and the remedy is confession. Anger says you owe me, and the remedy is forgiveness. Greed says I owe me. I owe me. That's what greed says. And what is the remedy for greed? I want you to stay tuned for the next message because we're going to be expanding how the power of this remedy can actually free you even more and allow you to be a a person that is rich towards God so that God can bless you. Here's the thing. When we give to God, we can never outgive God. But when we give to God and we become more generous, we can see God's blessings all around us, not just in money form. So stay tuned.